Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by Limitless Estates, where Kyle and Lolita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family by using real estate as your vehicle. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. On the show with us today, Siva Venugopalan. Siva, thanks for joining us today. How are you? Absolutely great. Thank you so much. Nice, beautiful, sunny day here. Good. Perfect. Before we get into it, here's a little bit about Siva. Siva has an extremely strong and honorable background in engineering. He has 25 years of experience in bridge inspection and repair design of signature bridges in the U.S. In regards to real estate, Siva started in fix and flips and now moved into the multifamily space for the last six years. So we're excited to hear more about your multifamily experience and how you help passive investors. So with that being said, Siva, could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do? Absolutely. Um, I came to this country about 30 years ago uh, with two bags and $750 and, uh, and a scholarship. I graduated and uh, worked for an engineering firms for about seven years, started my own business 21 years ago and uh, built that business, put the money back in. And then after about 12 years or so, the cash flow we started taking them out and started investing in fix and flip. And uh, that wasn't, uh, it was too much work for us. So we moved into a single family, bought a whole bunch of them, rent them out. And we had a property manager who took care of it. But still, it was a lot of work. And so we said, if you want to really scale this thing, there's no way we're going to do single family. So we moved into multifamily space. And that's where we started working with the multifamily group. And, And so... We've been doing multifamily about six years. We're invested in, oh, seven or eight different uh, um, properties and projects. And then we also are invested in still single family. And we're also invested in a sports complex that is kind of out of the ordinary. Uh, but we came, uh, came across that through one of our good friends. And so we invested in those. So that's our gamut of uh, involvement over the last six years. That's our background. Awesome. Can you talk a little bit more about the sports complex? That's kind of an interesting investment there. Um, what's involved in that? Actually, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a county that had this uh, land that was dedicated to a development of certain type of uh, complex. And uh, because of the 2008-2010 debacle, the, that particular um, county could not pay the the money that was due. And so they were trying to sell this property, but the property was so limited in terms of what it was assigned for. Nobody was willing to buy that property until it was lifted. But our group came up with an idea of using that same um, conditions put forth on that property for the development. We came up with a plan and presented it and they really liked it. And it filled that uh, same criteria requirement. And so they just sold us 120 acres with an option to buy another 24 acres just south of Boston. And uh, so that's, we got into that, uh, you know, GP deal. And then from there, what we did is we had a plan to develop that property into 
um, a field house with a lot of the activities. The idea was one of the guy who was involved in said, hey, I've been trucking kids to go to ice hockey here, the field hockey here, tennis over there. I'm wasting about, oh, half a day of my life doing all this stuff. I only wish if I am all together. And so he was asking a lot of the parents, and they all said the same thing. And so he came up with this idea of this development, putting it all together in one place. And that's what Sports Complex is all about. And in that, we included a hotel, uh, Marriott Hotel is going to be there uh, in the same complex. So people, and we're having our own tournaments. Um, so we're having our own competition, stuff like that. So it's uh, it, four years ago, we started it. It's a ground up construction and it's picking up steam now. And this is a very unique and different type of uh, investment where there is no cash flow in this until seven years. Right. We've been putting all the money back into building uh, and growing and investing back into the, so we now have a um, uh, two and a half sheets of ice, uh, which is basically two and a half grounds for ice hockey. And we have a stadium there. And we have several retail stores that sell different things for the people who are coming there inside. And we have a field house that we have built. And we're just getting ready to sign a contract to build that hotel. And we also have an aquatic center for swimming and all that stuff. So uh, that's being signed and built as we speak today. So, Wow. So that was a little off topic, but I think it's important for everyone to understand. This could not have happened if you know, you weren't part of a larger group, you know, the syndication where people pull money and, and do it. If You can't do this kind of stuff by yourself. And that's the power of syndication and, and getting behind and having a group and having a team build. So I think that was awesome. Absolutely. I would say yes to that. Perfect. So um, you mentioned that you had some single family homes and it was a little bit too much work. So what's the biggest difference between having your single family homes and having a third property manager manage those homes versus getting into multifamily passively? Well, think of it this way, that you got several different, even though we had them all in one city, we had several different properties. You got to pay the payroll or the property tax. We had to have the insurance. We have to have that, uh, that particular city had this crazy thing that property manager cannot put it in his own name. It has to be in the owner's name, all the utilities. So whenever uh, somebody was moving in and out, uh, that two weeks, three weeks, we have to take that into our name and pay those utilities and then turn it back into the renter's name. And my wife was, uh, you know, even though it's only once every two years, but we had so many of them, she was doing it every month. And she said, I'm done. I can't do this. I said, oh, I can't do this either. <laughs> so let's sell them all. And we were able to sell them because we bought it at a, you know, a property in a gated community. So uh, we sold them for like, oh, 60% profit three years later. And so we had a cash flow of about only about 6%, 6.5%. And that was much better than putting it in the bank at that time, which gave me 0.1%. And so that's how we started it. Uh, but then when we went to multifamily, we realized that we could do a lot better than 6%. And so we ended up uh, really doing well in the multifamily. And uh, some of the properties we have already sold, we made uh, in two to three years, we made good returns on the multifamily. Uh, so, you know, it's all good. What is it about multifamily that you like about that asset class? Uh, what I like about it is that there are, there are 
two things clearly I like about it. One is it's easy to manage because all of them are in one place, right? And for me as a passive investor, uh, the, if this managed properly, uh, the vacancy and the loss to lease is already accounted for, right? So we don't need to worry about that. That's a major thing. And it's always going to be there. People are moving in and out all the time. It's always going to be there. So we always give that in my underwriting, which is different from the dealer's underwriting. I do the underwriting myself. I also look at projections for different interest rates, different taxes, different insurance level. Uh, I'm looking at what my what my future cash flow, bringing it to the present value, what my real returns are. I look at this all the time. And if the real returns are not uh, really good, I just let it pass. And uh, I take the only the ones that are good. So having said that, how much time do I have to invest once I'm in the deal? In a multifamily, as a passive investor, I probably have to look at it every month, this report, and every quarter probably analyze it, right? And it takes me about, oh, a couple hours every quarter and about an hour every month, uh, as opposed to single family, which was taking me that much every month, if not more, and because of all the number of things that I have to do. It's multiplied, you know, if I have 50 single family, maybe one or two hours, but it's multiplied by 50. It takes a lot of time. Whereas in a multifamily, I invest in, you know, 10 deals. That's all I have to look at, 10 deals. And uh, so it's a lot better scaling-wise. So that's what I like. Got it. And so you mentioned that you actually assess your properties or your passive investments every quarter. So this is not something where you're just assessing a deal, you like it, you invest in it, and then you get quarterly uh, returns and reports and, and go simply based off the reports that you receive. I do based off the report I, you know, I receive, but I also try to go to the property um, either before I invest or after I invest, if I really know the deal, deal maker, I'll probably invest and then go look at the property. Uh, because part of it is that I also have a number of other passive investors work through me. And so I feel, you know, their money is, uh, I'm responsible for their money. So I always do some due diligence to figure out, you know, what's going on with the property. And I would try to go to the property at least once a year. And sometimes if it's doing well, I'll skip it. Otherwise, I will try to go to every property once a year. That's my What type of tool do you use to track your own investments? For me, right now at this point, I use the spreadsheets uh, to track my own investments. Um, but I also have uh, accumulated, uh, you know, documentation in my um, different trades that I have. So I put them all together. Eventually, we're probably going to go into a situation where we're going to have online tracking of all of these things Um, because if I ever move to being an operator and deal maker which I don't know I want to um, if I if I have enough deal flow then I probably would sit as a passive investor right Um, so that's kind of where we are spreadsheet is just easier to do for us at this point tracking because I have to produce financial statements for different people every year and so I have to show them I know my net worth and all that stuff. So it always happens. And I have to show my asset value for every asset that I own. 
uh, current value of the asset. So that's another thing I want the dealers to do is to provide a current value of the asset every year at the end of the year. Okay. No, that's important for passive investors to know. So when you look at your returns, are you taking in consideration the tax benefits that you're going to receive from the assets that you're purchasing or you're passively investing in, or is that something that is mainly like a cherry on top? It's typically a cherry on top. I do not look at the tax benefits because problem is you don't know what's going to happen to taxes five years from now. If it goes up, all the benefits you accounted for is nothing. And uh, so I would use that as a, whatever it is, is what it is. That may be a, you know, a little bit of a bump, but that's cherry on top. Okay. You mentioned that if you had enough deal flow that you'd probably remain a passive investor, which means that the deals out there are tightening, certainly. Have you changed up your criteria over the last 12 to 18 months to reflect that? We've been toying with the idea, but we haven't changed the criteria yet. We still have the strict criteria that we had four years ago, and it, that's why it's harder to find deals right now. The prices are going up. The number of properties are coming in, going down. And uh, so we have actually increased our uh, investment in the good ones that we find. You know, in the past, we used to, put no more than 100 and spread it around 200 or something like that. But now we're doing a little bit more than that if the deal is really good and the, and the operators are good and the sponsors are good. You know, I do some background check on all those, uh, make sure there are no SEC violations, no bankruptcies and no IRS problems and stuff like that. And I asked them first, you know, do you have anything that you want to share with me before I do all the background check? And if they say, no, no problem, then we do the check and to make sure that, you know, those are, those are basic things we do. They have to clear that basic hurdle before we, and then I got to get to know them. This is something I do. I sit with those and, and have some conversation about what their dreams, what their goals, what motivates them, who they are, you know, where they want to go. And it tells a lot about the person their drive and their ethics and you know i need to know all of that to understand who they are before i would you know move into investing with them and also have my group of passive investors to get into that deal got it what are the three to four criteria you look for when you're investing in a multifamily investment your top three to four my top three to four, uh, pitch roof. Is there uh, a reason why on the pitch roof? Yeah, we've had flat roofs and it leaks and we cannot find out where the leak is. And we spend money, we spend time and uh, it's crazy. Uh, so I do not go into flat roofs. I do not go into, you know, um, smaller units. Uh, I want to go at least 100 or above. Uh, just because the expenses expense ratio is much higher for smaller units. And uh, the third one is, if it is a large unit, I, I, I prefer to have no elevators, two floors, and no more. Um, so those are major three criteria. And the fourth one is the operator uh, has to have a good background and have to have at least two or three in their team. Uh, those are the main, you know, 
criteria. Um, okay. We were talking a little bit earlier about having two or three people on your team. Can you go into detail on why you look for that? Yeah, uh, because this business by itself, even if you get a two or 300 unit single unit property, there's a lot to be done. Before you get that, you probably have to put 20, 30 deals, right? You've got to analyze 50 deals. You've got to underwrite them. And then you've got to do LOI. And you've got to follow up with the other people. And then you also constantly identify your investors and track them and give them something to let them know that you're there, right? You're looking. And so there's a lot of work to be done. And it's really hard for one person to really do well all of those things. And uh, so I would like to see somebody who is dedicated towards looking for deal and uh, closing deals. Another person dedicated towards raising money and possibly a third person dedicated towards making sure the paperwork is all done right and interacting with the attorneys, the SECs, the financiers, and you know all of that stuff, right? So the three tripod is a, as a minimum would be a good idea, but when somebody is starting new, they may not have all of that. So they may have themselves and their wife. They may work with a sponsor uh, who does a lot of the lifting for them. So um, help them connect with people and all that stuff. Uh, that might be good for the first deal, but you quickly have to identify and retain the, the other two key people that you want to work with. And that means you probably want to spend some time to understand who do I want to work with? You know, what do I really like about this person? And do we get along well? You know, you don't want to dread to get up in the morning and call a guy, right, or a girl. And uh, you want to be happy to work with them. They are in the same wavelength as you are. You know, ideally, you both want to be in the same place. You three of you want to be in the same place, at least at the start. And then once you get started, you could be in different cities. It's not a problem. Or try to meet regularly in one place at the same time so that you're all getting together, getting to know each other, that kind of thing. So that's just my thought process. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So how many different sponsors are you um, invested in right now? Because you mentioned, you know, it, it definitely goes back to the sponsors, but you also want to diversify. How many different sponsors do you do you invest with? I have one, two, three, four, five, six, probably eight different sponsors right now. Okay. And is there kind of a max that you're looking for or what, what are some of the other reasons that you go with all these different sponsors? Partly because I'm looking for a better deal. You know, I'm looking for the deal with the criteria that I have. It's not always that two, two of the sponsors will bring it to me, right? And uh, we're, we're having to find a home for the, the investment that we have. And, uh, and they're also rotating in and out, right? And so we constantly have to find good deals to invest in. I, currently, I'm looking at about eight deals, uh, and analyzing those deals to figure out, you know, which one or two that we're going to take. And sometimes you analyze eight, you're not happy with any of them. Mm -hmm. Is wait. So that's the, that's a real issue right now is uh, it's hard to find good deals to invest in. Yep. Yeah. The more people that you have connected and the more people you have on your team, certainly the more deals you'll see. So what's your most, 
what is the one thing that you enjoy most about passive investing? I really like this space. I really like a lot of the people in this space. A um, lot of the operators are really good at what they do. And uh, they also, I mean, take it seriously, their job. This is a business for them. And they operate as a business. I have my own business. I know what it takes to run a business. I know what kind of responsiveness you need to the investors, to your renters, to the bankers and attorneys. You got to keep everybody happy. And that's the only way the business is going to grow. And I really like the people that I work with. And uh, so, and, and they do a lot of the work well. So I don't have to do the work. Perfect. If I have to go do the work, then uh, that's the problem. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Lolita is going to take us into our final four questions. Sure. All right. All right, Siva, let's get into it. So what is the one tool that you use in real estate investing that you could not do without? Oh, boy. Uh, I subscribe to some reports, real estate reports that comes through um, from, you know, different areas in the city data that when I look at all the time and I look at a couple other ones, um, those things are really essential for me to understand the market, the shift in the market and uh, which one is hot, which one is not. Um, that's really important as a passive investor. And you also need to focus on what area you want to invest in as a passive investor, just like a deal maker, you can't go looking everywhere, you know, so that's, that's really one thing that I use, the tool that I use to figure out where are the population moving, where are the jobs moving, you know, where are the deals available. Since I work with a number of the deal makers, I have this opportunity to check all these areas. And once I lock into some areas, then I look for more operators, deals from those areas, so to speak. So that's really helpful for me. Can you share which tools you use online other than city data? Oh, my wife does some of that too. I think, uh, um, what was the other one? Let me see uh, if I can find a couple other ones that we use regularly. Um, I know there's other sites like bestplaces.net and things like that are, and census.gov. Are there ones that you pay for? Are there paid subscriptions or are they all free? Uh, most of them are free, but there are, um, I think the labor data that I use, and uh, I use a demographer as well, uh, who works with me and he does a lot of that stuff for me. Um, uh, for the demographer, I pay him to look at, you know, what's my top three, you know, tell me. And he goes into looking at, uh, I, I also have our Tom Data Solutions, right? We look at the, uh, with the look at those guys and uh, look at the commercial property news, multifamily news, a number of these things. Um, but I do have a demographer who actually, you know, goes and searches all these data points and tells me, hey, based on the criteria that we talked about, you know, these are the five areas you should be looking at or seven areas, you know. I'm looking to limit to about six to seven areas. And, uh, and then I will pick the three of the seven and I look at more closely. And that's how I zeroed in on Atlanta about four years ago. At that time, Dallas was really great as well. But Atlanta was just another thing, a criteria that I have is any property that I invest in has got to be a nonstop flight from Philly. 
and I don't want to go into sub-markets. At that time, it was possible. Awesome. Great. Uh, question number two, can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing so far and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? The biggest mistake is, boy, there are two of them. I'm trying to pick which one. Um, both of them have this similar vein to this, right? I really liked the people. I really saw that they had experience, but what I didn't really pay attention to was my gut feel. My gut feel told me to hold off and, you know, slow it down. And I didn't do that. A lot of the times when your gut feel tells you something, listen to it. You know, all the other things were good. They've done a lot of deals. And the multifamily one that we're struggling with right now, the man has done a lot of deals, right? And uh, so when I went back and looked at why this happened, yeah, there are a lot of explanations, right? Uh, the city suddenly changed some rules, so we got to spend extra money to fix certain things that we were not, you know, in the you know, calculation. And then the elevator that we had had all kinds of problems. And so we had to end up ripping the whole thing up, putting a new one, and it was cost about $500,000. And uh, But that property was a 230-unit property, we could have still managed it, right? So we had about a million dollars, million and a half dollars worth of expenses that we didn't even account for that we had to do. And that was bad news. But if I had paid attention to it and I looked a little bit closer, you know, <clears throat> what I found is that the gentleman who was doing the deal was so busy, he was by himself, he wasn't paying attention to some of these details that was there. If he had only looked back and saw, we can see all of these things. But an operator should have seen all this, <clears throat> should have accounted for. I talk about this as well. You need to have some cushion in your deal that brings you money when the oh shit moment happens. <laughs> and it happens every single time in every single project. And you don't have that you're in trouble. And some of the deals I reject because it looks good on paper. The problem is uh, there is no cushion anyway. There's no hidden value that is outside of the paper that the operator can tell me, hey, Siva, this we haven't accounted for. <coughs> that alone will give at least a 2 or 3% bump. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is what you really need if you're really going to be successful in multifamily. The paper should look good, but also there's a hidden value that you can unearth as soon as you take a hold of that property. That's the one thing that I'd say, you know, I think uh, listen to your gut feel mm-hmm. and also look for that uh, hidden value. Ask the, ask the operator to tell you what's the hidden value, how is he going to unearth it, how long is it going to take. If he can't tell you that, you know, wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great advice. Uh, what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Either I need to increase the number of deals and invest in them, <laughs> or I need to find my own deal and invest in them. See, the funny thing, when you start your own deal, there is not enough money, right? You quickly run out of money. And uh, as long as you don't do that, there's always going to be this churning process. You know, money comes out. What do you find? What do you do with it? Where do you put it? And uh, so that's my next thing is to 
increase the number of deals because I am, you know, I still run my business and, uh, you know, we're not hurting for cash, uh, but we want to grow the cash, right? You don't want it to sit around. And uh, so that's our main issue or problem. So that's why we're looking for this office buildings and other things that they're all now at about 11 to 12 cap office buildings. Oh, wow. Yeah, A-class buildings. It's amazing. And it comes with the 100% you know, leased. Finally, where can people find out more about you, Steven? Well, right now, I, I, you know, I have my own business, and that's what they can go, www.sivacorrosion.com. And uh, my email address is sivacorrosion.com. Can you spell that out for people? Yes, that's in Sam, I-V-A, at S as in Sam, I-V-A, C as in Charlie, O, double R, O-S-I-O-N.com. We'll have those in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of them. Or they can use SIVA6418 at gmail.com. There are two ways to reach me. Perfect. So thank you for sharing your story and uh, a lot of great advice and takeaways for both our uh, passive and active investors of all levels. So thank you very much for being on the show with us today. And we appreciate your time, Siva. Absolutely, guys. All the best. And, uh, you know, if you need to chat with me for anything, give me a shout out. And for all the passive investors, I say, go for it. Keep doing it. And uh, this is the greatest uh, time to do this. I can tell you that. Awesome. Thanks, Eva. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the passive income through multifamily real estate podcast and to get access to today's show notes and to previous shows, visit limitless-estates.com. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.